Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. Um, I'm excited that you're joining us again. Only two weeks left in apologetics, and this week we cover the resurrection. I'm indebted to pleaseconvinceme.com, which has a great article on the subject, which we begin to work through today. Hope you enjoy, and hope you'll join us again next week for our final lesson. But here is the fact. The resurrection is the hinge point of the Christian faith. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, let me make this clear. There is no hope, there is no future, there is no salvation. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. We are literally the the most to be pitied. If there is no resurrection, all of this is a waste. What we're doing is a waste. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Now, there are really five positions on the crucifixion. So, five positions on the crucifixion. Position one is known as the swoon theory. Position two is that the disciples imagined it. So, mass hallucination. Position three is that it's a legend. (coughs) I am legend. Right? Hmm? Position four, the disciples lie. And position five is the traditional position. So here's the first one. Position one, Jesus didn't die. Look, the first claim we're going to examine tonight is the assertion that Jesus never died on the cross in the first place. These folks claim that Jesus was only injured up there on the cross. Later, he was taken down. He was in a swooning state of semi-consciousness, only appeared to be dead. He came back to his senses later and appeared to the world, not as a man who had come back to life, but as a man who had recovered from his injuries. Okay, this is the claim. Now let's take a look at it or not whether this claim holds up to the scrutiny. So here's the argument against the swoon theory one. And that's this. Okay? <coughs> Roman soldiers. Fact is, they wouldn't have allowed it. There is a tremendous penalty to be paid by Roman soldiers if they allowed a capital criminal to either escape or avoid the penalty for which they were sentenced. You know what that that penalty is? The soldier himself would have to take the punishment. It would be a death sentence for a soldier to bungle the execution. For this reason, Roman soldiers were brutal and meticulously executing their orders with precision to make sure they did not find themselves on the cross. Roman soldiers never bungled executions of this nature. And history verifies this truth. Okay? Does that make sense? Argument two. 
No leg breaking. This is a southern way to spell breaking. The soldiers always confirmed that the executions were complete by assuring that each man on the cross was dead before taking them off. If they were not, the soldier would use the club to break their legs so that their own body weight would suffocate them. I know, fun way to go. Unable to push themselves up with their legs to take a breath <coughs> and unable in weakness to continue to pull themselves up in their arms, the victims would simply supplicate under their own weight, unable to breathe. The Gospels tell us that the soldiers came to break Jesus' legs, but saw that he was already dead. Okay, these are professional executioners. Oh, the guy's dead. I'm not going to swing that club. I don't want to waste my time. That's how dead that guy is. You're going to try to dry on water. I couldn't. Water from his side. Not only that, but the Gospels also tell us the soldiers stabbed Jesus in the heart area with a spear and that water and blood rushed from the opening. That's not uncommon for someone who has been dead for a while. The body cavity begins to fill with clear liquids, water drawn from the body itself. Blood is this, in the situation appears watery, and this is the consistent with someone who is already dead. Coroners know this to be true today, but to see this described in an ancient document is remarkable. Okay? This used to actually be an attack against Christianity. Well, how did water come from a side? Well, that's because they didn't understand the human body at death and how water congregates around that area. And when you hit it, and they've been dead for a while, water sacks will come out. So water will leak. Okay? So they're explaining medical stuff in a gospel. Question? Okay. Donde es? Where did he go? Is it Estal? Donde es? Sort of? I feel Spanish plus. Donde es? Where did he go? But if this wasn't enough, we still have the issue of where Jesus went after the recovery. If he didn't rise from the dead and then ascend into heaven, where did he go? There is no historical document that even attempts to account for a recovered Jesus who lived after the recovery in some faraway land. All things considered, the notion that Jesus did not die is preposterous. Lastly, eyewitnesses. Creepy eye. It's back. Get it in there somehow. You may wonder, uh, let's, um, who has a Bible on them? Oh, we are off. Mark 15, 42 through 46. How about you read that for us? 42 through 46. Take a look at the description of the burial of Jesus offered in the Gospel of Mark. Notice the description of Joseph of Arimathea. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, 
took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and, summon, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had, was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Okay, there's a guy. So you may wonder, why is there such an accurate description of Joseph in this passage? Is Mark just trying to validate Jesus' death by using a prominent Jew, even one on their own council, to verify the burial? Is Mark trying to impress his Jewish readers? Not likely, since apparently he felt the need to describe the meaning of preparation dates for the reader. It is apparent that non-Jews are Mark's audience. Joseph is not going to impress a non-Jew. So why mention Joseph of Arimathea in such detail? Here's why. Mark wants the reader to be able to ask Joseph himself. Mark is supplying the reader with a living eyewitness who not only saw the crucifixion, but also touched and wrapped the dead body of Jesus Christ. It is ridiculous to think that somehow all the disciples of Jesus who took, looked at his grotesquely beaten body off the cross, wrapped it in linen, scented it with spices, prepared it for burial, would not have noticed that he was still alive. You have to think this through. It makes no sense. Okay? The other one, it's a fun paper written by a lawyer, but it goes on to point out, well, let's take the swoon theory to its logical conclusion. And it's, it's very funny. It's, it's a satire piece. And it goes about like, okay, now you have a naked Jewish man who wakes up in a dark cave, guarded by Roman centurions, He's been pierced in the side, he's suddenly awake, he hasn't eaten for three days, and now he has the power to get off the place where he's laid, fold his linen cloth, make sure it's taken care of, and put it back, gets to the stone door, somehow, remember, the stone is rolled into a ditch, so it can't move, like, it's in a ditch. Somehow, the tons of stone he's able to lift out of the ditch, remember, broken, stabbed, hasn't eaten for three days, lifts it without the Roman legion knowing, slips out and then walks butt naked all the way to Jerusalem. Where, like, that's what you're saying. This, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, it's a very funny article. If you want it, email me. I'll, I'll send it to you. So, position two, the disciples imagined that. This is the hallucination theory. Once we have examined the issue and recognized that Jesus did, in fact, die on the cross, the next step you will encounter is whether or not Jesus actually rose from the dead after the crucifixion. Those who deny this fall into three camps, the first of which proposes that the disciples imagined the entire resurrection. This is commonly referred to as the hallucination theory. The disciples, in their incredible grief and wishful thinking, imagined the entire resurrection as a sort of hallucination. The resurrection is not a scientific truth. Therefore, but simply something that disciples honestly believe they saw based on their despair and grief. Here is the first argument against it. It's my favorite one. There are no group hallucinations. There are groups of people who have hallucinated at the same time. Talk to people who maybe went to Woodstock in the 60s, okay? 
So there are groups of people who have hallucinated at the same time, but they do not hallucinate the same thing. Why? For those of you that have never been near a drug-induced coma, let me break it down for you. Hallucinations happen in your own mind. Okay? They are subjective in nature. People who are hallucinating don't look at, you know, the same coffee <coughs> and be like, dude, that's the coolest tarantula ever. Yeah, man, I love tarantulas. Like, that doesn't happen. Hallucinations happen in your own head. Um, okay, hallucinations are pers- personal. When two people are questioned separately and tell you the exact same story, you are dealing with eyewitness accounts, not vivid imaginations. Not only that, but imagine a hallucination that lasts for days and weeks on end. That's also never happened before and would have been the case if you were to believe the resurrection was just a hallucination. Jesus appeared to his followers for 40 days. We live in a culture that is obsessed with drugs, and no one's been able to come up with a drug that which you hallucinate for 40 days. No one. If anyone can come up to it, Americans could have come up with it. Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of time. Lots of life goals. The one thing he says. I love that. Watt's going to do stand-up comedy. That's what we're going to find him in 20 years. He'll be doing stand-up comedy places. You'll be making bank. He will. So, um, argument against the disciples imagined it. Corpse. What about the corpse? Are we to believe also that after experience the hallucination that the disciples would have not checked the tomb? Man, that was a wild ride. I wonder if it really happened. We should go check. Hey, Joseph. Where's Joseph? He's still hallucinating. We should go check the tomb. Let's just go out there and see if we can find the body. I wonder if he went back in the tomb. Okay? Eventually, they would have discovered the corpse and realized that the hallucination was just that. Oh, man. He didn't fold his own laundry. Someone's got to do that. John. Find the Marys. The one that works hard. But of course, the corpse was not to be found. This one, we talked about this two weeks ago. More than sincere. They claim to be more than sincere. The biggest problem with the hallucination theory is not that it does not account for the group sightings of Jesus, in which everyone, including doubters like Thomas, got the chance to eat with, speak to, touch, and be touched by Jesus himself. These experiences move the resurrection from hallucination to reality. It is possible to be sincere in one's belief, but yet be sincerely wrong. Sure. But the disciples claimed to be more than sincere. They claimed to be eyewitnesses. John 21, 24 through 25. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have written for the books that I would have written. These guys are claiming a lot more. Position three. It's all just a legend. It's all just a legend. Let's go blue. Many of those who deny the truth of the resurrection will tell you that it was a legend that was developed over time by people other than the disciples. People who heard stories and twisted them and misrepresented them and invented them in order to create a faith system that we have today. They would argue that all of it is a myth, a legend over time. Argument against this 
The, the, oh, I already have blue up there. There's not enough time. Historians put the idea of legend making at about 200 years. So there's got to be a 200 year gap between the incident and the legend being able to be formed. Uh, we have eyewitness documents. We have historical documents from the time of Jesus that are anti-Jesus that claim these things, let alone the ones that are closer. So if you're just going to be a consistent historian, you can't hold to that. Um, the myth theory requires several generations to pass so that there are no remaining eyewitnesses of real events left to dispute in mythology. But the first century Christian documents recording the life of Christ appear within the first generation of the eyewitnesses. They were able to review the stories and validate. Um, also the fact that um, you had all these eyewitnesses who were not Christian. Thallus, 52 AD. Mara ben Serapon, 70 AD. Josephus, 93 AD. Pliny the Younger, 112 AD. Cornelius Tacitus, 116 AD. And Pelagian, 140 AD. These are all non-Christian sources that talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They don't believe the resurrection, but they claim that they say that his followers believe that he rose from the dead. Okay, we talked about that when we were going over. Um, uh, can we trust the New Testament a couple weeks ago? Argument in two. This is going to offend a lot of you. I'm so sorry, but it's just the truth. Women. <laughs> Okay. So here's the issue. The small fact is overlooked when people want to think about the reality of Jesus' resurrection as just a myth. The first witnesses to the resurrection were women. That is recorded clearly in all the Gospels. And remember that women at the time of history and in culture had very low social status. They were not even allowed to testify in court. They were not considered to have the status that would make them trustworthy witnesses. Yet these stories are brutally frank in the way they describe women as the first witnesses. So if someone has tried to establish the validity of a legend and gives it credence and credibility, would, they would have never chosen women as the first eyewitnesses. As a matter of fact... They would have made the first witness a man of considerable status. But that is simply not how it happened. And the truth was recorded in scripture, regardless of the impact it might have on the early readers. This legal detail is incredibly important and testifies to the reality of what happened. Does that make sense? Bueller? Yeah? So good. Argument four. Disciples are just liars. So this brings us to the final obstacle we will encounter with people who deny resurrection. After examining the impossibility that the resurrection is a hallucination or a legend, many will simply argue that the disciples <coughs> made it all up. They say it's all fiction, and the disciples conspired to fool the world. They were consummate liars. This theory has become known as the conspiracy theory. Argument against one. Okay. You hold the body? The fact is they couldn't move the body. 
how are they going to move the body? The biggest problem with the theory is the fact that there was no way for the disciples to get the body out, body out of the tomb without alerting the guards. <laughs> That's another place that... Okay, so these fishermen, they sneak up on the Roman guards. And then they're like, hey, there's a dragon. What did you say to get the girl? There's a unicorn over there. And they're like, I love unicorns. The unicorns cures cancer. We should go go make one cry. And they run after a unicorn. And then then they move the stone. And the wobbly Jesus who hasn't eaten in three days but decides to do his laundry before he leaves is like, guys, let's get out of here. Okay. Um, Jew, they knew they would have to the, the Jews knew that they would have to guard the body in order to prevent its theft they wanted to hang the body to show Jesus was just a man and they convinced authorities to place a Roman attachment at the tomb they guarded the tomb with the same intensity with which they confirmed Jesus' death okay I, I know I'm making these funny stories up like hey man I got this idea um, you're cool but I think you should use these when people are doubting and talking to them about it. Like, so you think this happened? Man, I am exhausted. Where am I? It's really dark in here. I smell of spices. I'll just get up. I'm really hungry. Oh man, I can't get out of here. Well, I'll try in another day. Let me get some sleep. Oh, now let me fold my laundry. Oh wait. Now I think I can move the big stone away from the tomb and now I can get out. Oh hey guys, you're here. Like, You've, you've defeated the Romans. <laughs> like, it just doesn't... It, it's silly. It's silly. Um, don't mock people, but I'm okay if you mock people's view of history, which is ridiculous. Um, so, okay? And the locals would have known it. Keep in mind... That it would be impossible for the disciples to perpetuate a lie in a relatively small environment in which Jesus was said to have walked and appeared to more than 500 people, according to Paul. These readers could have talked to the original witnesses, and they would have seen the lie coming. They wouldn't have written. They would have written a lot about the fact that all of it was untrue. Yet nothing exists to expose the resurrection as a lie. Like, think about it. Let's go back to one of these historians. Okay, Josephus. He's interviewing people who were around Judea at the time of it. And he doesn't come across one person that's like, dude, I was there. These all are nut jobs. Okay? We can go see the tomb and the body right now. Like, you don't find one person, even though you don't want it to be true. You know how quickly the opposite side of the political spectrum picks up on one piece of information and plastics it over all over the news the moment it supports their opinion? And are you telling me the guy couldn't find one shot of information that supported his opinion, so he just decided to report all the facts that he was given instead. It's amazing. Okay? The locals would have known. Lastly, we talked about this two weeks ago. And that is motive. Aren't we talking about this? Money. No, they were kicked out of the temples. They were now poor. Their life source, how they got their jobs and how they did business, removed. Now they can't go to the temple. Okay? Were they get it were they finding women? Were they headlining as pimps on high holy days? <laughs> no. Who are they gonna reach out to? The lepers? Like what group of women is gonna be fawning all over you? 
hey, my, 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 we're saying he resurrected from the dead, but he really died. Um, they have no motive. They don't gain any power. Um, power, lust, and um, money are the three main reasons people commit crimes, and you're not finding any of that. And what's their motive? Well, we just all want to commit suicide and die. I mean, that's what you're going to have to say their motive is. Like, they were ready for death. They were running into the arms of death. They had time and time and time and time and time again to be like, no, man, it didn't happen. Please don't feed me the lions. And they said, no, he's alive. It really did happen. You're going to have to feed me the kitty. Okay? Okay? Does that make sense? So once you've dispelled the arguments for the swoon theory, you're going to have to conclude that Jesus did actually die. And after you dispel the hallucination, conspiracy, and myth theories, you're going to have to conclude that Jesus did in fact rise again. Now you are yet at another position or theory of understanding. You're now at the position of traditional Christianity. Jesus did die on the cross. And after three days, Jesus did come back to life. How can that be? It can be true because Jesus is God himself, able to break the laws of nature that he established from the beginning of time. Thanks for listening to the Yak Podcast. I hope you enjoy our uh, series on apologetics. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. I hope you'll join us again soon.